Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Kennard speaking. I am your host for the Merciful Service of God, Biblical Instructional Program. Happy Shabbat, or Sabbath, to those who are keeping the day as uh, Elohim, or God, commands us to do. And this program is going to be about Matthew chapter 24. I think that most people that have uh, studied the Bible understand the significance of that particular chapter in the um, King James Version and other versions of the Bible. And so we're going to go over that today. Uh, I want to briefly talk about some world events here, what's going on in Syria today. I just got a a report uh, from Koenig's World Watch Daily website, International News. Uh, he keeps up with what's going on in the world in, in reference to Israel and so forth. And also he posts uh, major events. Uh, has several killed in two terrorist car bombings in Damascus. And uh, again, uh, let me just turn to the scripture again about Damascus here. And you know, most... Uh, Bible scholars state that this prophecy has already occurred, which it has. But the prophecy that hasn't occurred yet, according to this verse, it says, The burden of Damascus, behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city, and it shall be a ruinous heap. And that really has never happened before uh, to the point of where it's not a city anymore. And so that's that's why um, people, when they read this, um, a lot... A lot of people, anyway, that, that read this or a significant amount think that perhaps something will happen in the future where this prophecy, uh, when it states that uh, Damascus is taken away from being a city, will occur. And then when you read this, it talks about, toward the end, and Isaiah 17, verse 12, Woe to the multitude of many people which make a noise like the noise of the seas and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. The nations shall rush like the rushing of many waters, but God shall rebuke them or correct them, and they shall flee far off and shall be chased as the chaff of the mountains before the wind, and like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. Okay, and then it talks about, in verse 7 of this, At that day shall a man look to his Maker, and his eyes shall have respect to the Holy One of Israel. Well, when it says man, the word man, in the original Hebrew is uh, Adam or Adam, and it means mankind. So mankind has not done that. 
all of mankind does not look to his maker and have respect to the Holy One of Israel. So this is a prophecy, again, that's time for the future. So and then when you look at all the prophecies um, that, are, that speak about Damascus and Babylon and so forth, we know that those prophecies have already occurred in a type, but in Ecclesiastes, let's turn there, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, Verse 9, in the King James Version, the thing that has been, it is that which shall be. So I just want to repeat that again and underscore that. It says, the thing that have been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. And when you understand that, it means exactly what it says. Uh, you know, the days of Noah... Uh, I have a book that proves that in the days of Noah, they were very technologically advanced, perhaps as much as we are or even more. I know that may come a shock to you, but there's a book that proves that. Matter of fact, there's other books, too, that proves that uh, individuals or people that, that do that kind of work, forgot the scientific name for it, but they were actually able to come up or find calculators and computers and so forth. <laughs> and then pictures of planes and and all kinds of other things that we have today. So that that's another interesting Bible study. Um, the book that you need to get that proves that Noah's civilization was advanced is called the Genesis Flood. So anyway, that's another Bible study. But God means what he says to Solomon here. He says that... Uh, that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. And people say, well, that's talking about social conditions. Well, that's talking about everything. But anyway, that's another Bible study in itself. We have to take the words of God seriously, folks, to be able to understand it. So anyway, let's keep a watch on Damascus and see what happens. Because uh, it looks like um, some things are going to be happening to Damascus, according to what the Bible says and, of course, of what we see right now. Okay, and I know you guys heard about that person that went nuts masturbating all over the place uh, in the street, and it's just typical. It, it, it tells you that we're living in the end times when you hear things like that. I was just telling my wife the other day, <laughs> I'm 46 years old, and I never heard anything like that just broadcast on television like that about what this guy did. It has something to do with this coney thing about um, this black ruler or dictator, I don't know what, I guess he's a leader, and he did something to his people and all that, and there's conflicting information back and forth, and it was uploaded on YouTube. And it's just, it just tells you the mentality of mankind when things like that happen. And of course, you know, masturbating happens behind closed doors. is one of the most dirtiest, nasty habits of all time. You know, men do it, and I think women do it too. And I, I could never picture Yeshua or Jesus masturbating. You know, that, that's that's a very selfish act. And you could actually really uh, consider that a homosexual act to yourself. I mean, you're, you're messing around your own organs and you are being pleased by your own organs. When you, you should have your mate. Uh, and let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 
says in verse 2, nevertheless, to avoid fornication or you know, sexual sins, the ones that are listed in Leviticus chapter 18, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Now in verse 1 it says, now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. So if a man wants to be single, a woman wants to be single, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you just want to have some sex, then you know, God wants you to have sex. He, you know, sex is a beautiful thing. But, you know, if if your desire for sex is so strong, then he's telling you to marry. Because if you don't, you commit fornication. He says, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto his wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. In verse 4, the wife have not power of her own body. And so when a woman masturbates, she's having power of her own body. But the husband, and likewise also the husband have not power of his own body, but his wife. So if the man masturbates, he's you know <laughs> he's having power of his own body, and that's you know the the sexual organ of the penis is for the woman, and and the uh, of course uh, for the man uh, is is the wife's body to please each other, to show one way anyway to show that that you love one another. So it's not just for procreation; it's also to to please one another and to express your feelings and to your uh, your nerves uh, because it's pleasurable that, that you love each other. That's what it's all about. It's a great gift of God and unfortunately that gift has been used by the devil to really deceive people and to destroy people. So I just wanted to say that. And let me see. Well, the economy is still messed up uh, even though the government is telling us otherwise but it's, it's still bad folks and let me go to the EPI website here, get some facts about that. Let's see, where is it here? It's a website I always go to that gives me a factual information about the economy, uh, in particular the economy in reference to um, the true financial issues or problems that we have. I'm trying to see if I can find it here. Let me, let me put you... I'll be right back. Hold on. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. It's EPI. I did type in EPI, and it's not coming up for some reason. Let's see. Let me type it into Google. Economic Policy Institute. It's EPI.org. And then they have one article, when you go to the website, it says, A lost decade for young workers. Wages fell among every entry-level group of workers, regardless of education, from 2000 to 2001, according to the, to data from the upcoming edition of the State of Working America. And it's a very, very good, um, it's a very good website. It tells you the facts about what's going on. 
about the economy. And then it you know it has a headline here, job opening survey shows openings and hires both dropped in January. And it says that, you know, somewhat strengthening, you know, but uh we still got ways to go. And that's what this website reveals here. And it says African Americans, Latinos faced no unemployment relief in two thousand twelve. So anyway, this is a good website to check out. The Economic Policy Institute, EPI dot org. To get the facts, I mean the real facts about what's going on in the economy. So you're not going to get it from the government, and you're not going to get it from other sources. So and you need to know the truth, and that's what I'm about. I try to, I do the best of my ability anyway. Give you the truth, whether it's uh, biblical truth or outside of the Bible, secular truth. All right, so I think I've covered everything I wanted to cover as far as the world news. Um, we have to. Remember, and this is a scripture that I'm going to be quoting often now, uh, is found in Proverbs chapter 22, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. And it says, The prudent man, or the, or the crafty, or the wise man, subtle man, Proverbs 22, verse 3, A prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Let me read this in the complete Jewish Bible version says, the clever see trouble coming and hide. The simple go on and pay the penalty. <clears throat> then in uh, Hebrews, Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 7, by trusting, I'm reading this complete Jewish Bible version, by trusting Noah, after receiving divine warning about things as yet unseen, was filled with holy fear and built an ark to save his household. So he built an ark to save his household. And that's as men or women, if you don't have any men around, <laughs> your husband's dead or unfortunately or he's not acting like a husband or he's not around or in jail or whatever, um, then you have to do the best you can to build your ark to save your household, to do the best you can. And he stays here through this trusting. He put the world under con condemnation and received the righteousness that comes from trusting. So the lesson to learn in this, ladies and gentlemen, is that uh, even though we know God is going to help us and protect us according to Psalm chapter 91, he wants us to do all we can to prepare for the things that we see. And that's this Bible study, I'm going to break this down as simple as I can so that a little child can understand this Bible study. The purpose of this Bible study is to help us to to see the things that Yeshua or Jesus stated plainly in Matthew chapter 24 that we should be looking for. Uh, that prophecy is for two people. It's for people that, for anyone, because as I tried to explain last week, our end of time or end time could, could happen any day. I could die tomorrow, you could die tomorrow. We, we don't know. We don't know how long we're going to be alive. And so we need to always be fervent, and we always need to be obeying God. We shouldn't have to wait for certain, some certain event like a lot of people are doing to finally start taking him serious. That's the way a lot of people, unfortunately, look at prophecy. Okay, well, I can just go ahead and mess around and do what I want to do, and then, then when this particular event happens, then I'll get serious about God. And God, I tell you, if you had that type of attitude, you're in danger because <laughs> God is not going to take you seriously. You've got to be strong 
and obedient in any type of situation. In any type of situation. Number two is also for people that are living in, I hopefully have proved to you last week that we're definitely living in the times that he was talking about. And let's go to Matthew chapter, just a summary of what I spoke about last week. Matthew chapter 24, because we're going to spend some time in this chapter, and then I'm hoping to go to Luke chapter 21, and also Matthew, not Matthew, but Mark chapter 13. These are other um, prophecies that are actually it's talking about the same event, with him giving the, uh, the answer to the question, what would be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Uh, it's the same thing, but there's more information added. And uh, some other informa- additional information talked about in uh, Mark chapter 13 and Luke chapter 21. As is the case when you, or it's the three individuals, the three different people, and they're there listening to Yeshua. Obviously, somebody may have heard something that the other person didn't hear, and they wrote it down. God inspired them to write it down. But anyway. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, and then you get to, this is the key verse of this entire chapter here. And as I tried to explain, this verse will help us understand uh, what particular generation he was referring to that would experience this trouble. Matthew 24, verses 21 to 22. I'm reading this in the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. For there will be trouble, then worse than there has ever been from the beginning of the world until now. And there will be nothing like it again. So obviously this has not occurred yet. Uh, It's going to occur in the future. In verse 22, Indeed, if the length of this time had not been limited, no one would survive. But for the sake of those who have been chosen, its length will be limited. All right, so that these two verses here are key verses to understanding uh, the what I think is the main theme, but what is the main theme of this entire chapter, uh, Matthew 24, verse 3. It says, when he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, which is across from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the Talmudim, or the disciples, came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will these things happen? What things? The destruction of Jerusalem. And what will be the sign that you are coming? And that the Olam Hazah, or the end of the world, is coming. The end of the age. So that's what was discussed there. And uh, actually he had asked them that question. And then, of course, he went to asking that que- or answering the question. Olam Hazah means the world to come, the age to come. All right, so that's what Olam Hazah in Hebrew means, and I'm quoting from the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. And so, as far as asking the second question, Matthew chapter 24, verses 21 and 22, gives you the conditions of the time of the world to come. Okay, so, and I explained to you that the simplest way to understand that we are living in this time, a time where if he did not come, no one would survive, is the fact that ever since August 6, 1945, we have 
been living in the nuclear bomb generation. There have been two movies uh, produced, one in 1983 called The Day After, the other one, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but uh, it was a a movie that uh, was produced, and, and, and really the um, the whole center of it was the United Kingdom and them going through a nuclear holocaust. So there, was, there have been two movies produced that tell you that if there was another war, more than likely we not we would not survive unless Elohim had stopped it, stopped us from destroying ourselves. So just based on that, the fact we have the capability and have had the capability since 1945. And then I explained to you last week the doomsday clock was created at the University of Chicago by the, uh, I forgot the name of the organization, the... Um, the atomic scientists. Let me just type it up in here again. In the Wikipedia. And I used to live in Chicago. Uh, I had no clue that <laughs> the Doomsday Clock was created at the University of Chicago. I, I really didn't know about that until recently. But that's what happens when you open your mind and start to learn things that you never learned before. And I implore and encourage you to do the same. Doomsday clock. And the doomsday clock here says the doomsday clock is in Wikipedia is a symbolic clock face maintained since 1947 by the board of directors of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists at the University of Chicago. So that's yeah, that's the the uh, board of directors of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. The closer the clock is to midnight, the closer the world is estimated to be in a global disaster. The most recently officially announced setting, five minutes to midnight, 11.55 p.m., was made on January 10, 2012. Reflecting international events dangerous to humankind, the clock's hands have been adjusted 20 times since its inception in 1947, when the clock was initially set to seven minutes to midnight, 11.53 p.m., so... In 1947, it was determined by these scientists that we had the capability of blowing every man and woman and child off this earth. All right? So that that's when they were aware, although it probably happened earlier than that, 1945, after the, uh, the partial destruction, anyway, of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The first bomb was called Little Boy. <laughs> well, the little boy grew up and became a big boy. And it was detonated. But anyway, so, and it says, originally the clock analogy represented the threat of global nuclear war. However, since 2007, it's also reflected climate-changing technologies and new developments in the life sciences that could afflict, inflict, rather, irrevocable harm. So I went over those last week. I'm not going to go over that again. I'm just going over the, the summary of the Bible study last week. So I hope that you understand that we are living in the time that Yeshua stated. And let me repeat it again. Let me read it to you again. He stated there will come a time, says, for there will be trouble, then worse than there ever has been from the beginning of the world until now, and there will be nothing like it again. Indeed, if the length of this time had not been limited, no one would survive, but for the sake of those who have been chosen, its length will be limited. So we, we did not reach this status, mankind did not reach this status back in the first century. 
the first century we had a population of 200 million people. We have a population now of over 7 billion people now today. Uh, neither did we have the capability of destroying every man and woman and child off this earth as we do now. So just based on this, we know that we are living in the end times, folks. Now, let's go over this. I'm going to go back over to the King James Version. Most people are familiar with that, and I'm going to shift back and forth when I need to uh, for clarity's sake. So let's let's go over this chapter, this misunderstood chapter, I think, in a, in a lot of cases. And it's very simple to understand, and I'm going to break it down. I'm not going to get all scholarly and so forth with this because my purpose is for you to understand this. This is a very important to understand what our Lord and Savior has revealed to us from the Father. Matthew 24, verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And the temple is is very important for you to understand that the temple is going to be involved in these end times, folks. All right? Hold your place here and turn to the book of Revelation. Verse 11, and you have you wouldn't believe the many different ridiculous ideas that people have about whether or not it's going to be a temple in the end times. Well, who are we going to believe, God's words or someone else's words? Revelation 11, verse 1, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood right, saying, Rise and measure. All right, let's, let's count this here. Three, there's three things that have something to do with the temple of God here in this particular verse. Rise and measure, number one, the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. So what God is telling us through Johanan or John, that in this particular time when the tribulation is getting ready to start, the great tribulation, there's going to be a temple of God, there's going to be an altar, and it's going to be them that worship therein. That's what it says. And people are saying, well... It could start with just an altar. Well, what does the scripture say here? The scripture states plainly, and naos in Greek means a temple. That's what it means. Measure the temple. So there's going to be a temple of God and the altar. There's going to be an altar, a place of sacrifice, and them that worship therein. That's what this scripture plainly states. If you go to templeinstitute.org, they are convinced that they're going to build this temple. They already have everything they need to build it. And then right here it says, But the court, or the yard, that's a part of the temple, which is without the temple, okay, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and, and the holy city shall they thread underfoot forty-two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy one thousand two hundred and uh 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. All right, so the 42 days, of course, is the, the three and a half years of, of the Great Tribulation and is in, in the context of a temple being built. I am not going to preach that there won't be a temple because the Bible indicates that there will be. And me as a servant of God, as a uh Torah teacher, or I, I, I do the best I can with the abilities that God has given me to preach the doctrines and teachings of God. I'm going to preach what the Bible says. 
So again, in Revelation 11, verses 1 to 2, it states that there will be a temple of God and an altar, and people will be worshiping therein. (laughs) That's what your Bible says. And let's understand something. The book of Revelation, what's the main context of the book of Revelation, folks? Well, first of all, let's read Revelation 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed is he that reads, and they that hear, which means to understand Hebraically, the words of this prophecy or prediction, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. What time? Okay, well, let's figure this out here. So, and verse 10 tells you the, the timing of this prophecy. Revelation 1, verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, not Sunday, but the day of the Lord. What is the day of the Lord? That's the time when Yeshua will land his feet on the Mount of Olives and destroy all opposition. So this prophecy is about the times that we're living in today, because only in these times where it would be possible to blow every man and woman and child off this earth, as Yeshua stated. Well, I'm stating it like that, but he said that... If he didn't come, no one would survive. The reason why no one would survive because we have the capability of destroying mankind off the earth now today. Everyone knows that. We have that capability today. So if we go to the Doomsday Clock website, I read this last week. I'm going to read it again for those who um, did not hear the Bible study last week. But if you can just go to their website, and this front page says, The Doomsday Clock conveys how close humanity is to catastrophic destruction, to figurative midnight, and monitors the means humankind could use to obliterate itself. First and foremost, these include nuclear weapons, but they also uh, involve climate-changing technologies and new developments in the life sciences that can inflict irrevocable harm. And it says right here, the nuclear age dawned in the 1940s when scientists learned how to release the energy stored within the atom to power the universe, as Harry Truman stated. Immediately, they thought of two potential uses, an unparalleled weapon and a new energy source. The United States built the first atomic bombs during World War II, which they used on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in August of 1945. Within two decades, Britain, the Soviet Union, China, France, it also established nuclear programs. Since then, Israel, India, Pakistan, and North Korea have built nuclear weapons as well. For the, most of the Cold War, over hostility between the United States and the Soviet Union coupled with their enormous nuclear arsenals defined the nuclear threat. The U.S. arsenal peaked at about 30,000 warheads in the mid-1960s and the Soviet arsenal at 40,000 warheads in the, in the 1980s, dwarfing all other nuclear weapon states. The scenario for Nuclear holocaust was simple. Heightened tensions between the two jittery superpowers would lead to an all-out nuclear exchange. Today, the potential for an accidental and inadvertent nuclear exchange between the United States and Russia remains, with both countries uh, maintaining more than 1,000 warheads on higher list, still enough to blow this planet up 10 million times, or not 10 million times, but several times over, ready to launch within tens of minutes, even through a deliberate attack by Russia or the United States on on the other, seems improbable. It says, even though a deliberate attack. 
So it says, unfortunately, however, in a globalized world with porous national borders, rapid communication, expanded commerce, and dual-use technologies, nuclear know-how and materials travel more widely and easily than before, raising the possibility that terrorists could obtain such materials and crudely construct a nuclear device of their own. The materials necessary to construct a bomb pervade the world, in part due to programs initiated by the United States and the Soviet Union to spread civilian nuclear power technology and research reactors during the Cold War. So anyway, we, we, we could destroy each other, folks. And this is by the, um, the atomic scientists. They ought to know better than us. They deal with uh, the concept and the, the real <laughs> factual information of nuclear bomb technology. Okay, so we are definitely, folks, living in the end times. Uh, your common sense should tell you that, and also what Yeshua stated, that there will be a time that if he did not come back, no human being would survive. We are living in the end times, and uh, I can't comprehend us lasting past the 21st century. It's, it's 2012 right now, folks. We're talking about 88 years. Now, each of you need to look at the facts of the world right now, the way we are with the economy, the fact that we... Uh, all nations around the world are suffering here from this uh, economic crisis, this global crisis. Uh, the United States is the world's largest debtor nation, and and we continue to get ourselves in debt by printing money out of thin air, meaning that we don't have the the gold or silver to back up what we're printing, and we're just doing it because we know that the dollar is the world's number one currency. And so we just print it anyway, even though we know we don't have any... Um, any assets to back up what we're printing. That's why it's called a note, IOU, a treasury note. And uh, there's there's more to it than that, but the main thing is that this country is in debt, and it's, it's like uh, when you include the entitlement programs like Medicaid and and uh, like financial aid and welfare and everything else, uh, it's, it's like $200 billion. If you just type in $200 billion in Google, that will tell you uh, basically uh, the information about us being more than just $14 trillion in debt. And there was a website I misquoted uh, that says score.org, scorecard, scorecard.org. This is a very important website for you to remember. Uh, scorecard.org, and this website tells you all the pollution, the toxic pollution that's in your area. Is 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 uh, I'm at the website right now, and it's scorecard, s c o r e c a r d dot org. Scorecard dot org. It says scorecard is the web's most popular resource for information about pollution problems and toxic chemicals. Find out about the pollution problems in your community and learn who is responsible. See which geographic areas and companies have the worst pollution records. Identify which racial, ethnic, and income groups bear more than their share of environmental burdens. It says take action as an informed citizen. You can fax a polluting company, contact your elected representatives, or get involved in your community. It says Scorecard provides the facts about pollution for free. Please support our community service by registering to receive regular email updates and contributing to Scorecard. So this is a, a website that it could be very helpful to you, but... This is a website that proves 
that God is correct when he states in Isaiah chapter 24. Let's turn there, Isaiah chapter 24. Verse 1 says, Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and make of it waste and turn it upside down. It hasn't been turned upside down yet, but that's what's going to be coming, folks. And scattered abroad the inhabitants thereof. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priests, as with the servants, so with his master, as with his maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. Reading in the King James. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languish and fadeth away, the haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth also is defiled. Uh, that word defiled in Hebrew means konath. It means to soil, corrupt, defile, pollute. And scorecard.org tells you how we have defiled the earth. The, also, the earth also is defiled under the inhabitants there because they have transgressed the laws. One of the laws that we have broken is uh, creating toxic chemicals that are not good for human beings to, to inhale. It says, therefore they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenants. Okay? Uh, therefore have the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. So, getting back, let me read this in another version here for clarity's sake. And the complete Jewish Bible version is the land lies defiled, in verse 5 of Isaiah 24, the land lies defiled under its inhabitants because they have transgressed the teachings, changed the law, and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse is devouring land, and its inhabitants are punished for their guilt. It is why those living there waste away, and the people left are few. So that's our condition right now, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We are on the verge of the destruction of civilization just based on the fact that we're polluting and killing each other um, slowly but surely by the many toxic chemicals that are in the air. And again, I implore and encourage you to investigate scorecard.org and you can put your, your own zip code in the box here to get a report of all the toxic pollutions that's in your area. All right, so... And then in this website, going back to Doomsday Clock website here, it states, uh, it says climate change, fossil fuel technologies such as coal-burning plants powered in the Industrial Revolution and so forth. And it says today the concentration of carbon dioxide is higher than any time during the last. It's talking about just uh, carbon dioxide, but we have already polluted this world, <laughs> uh, particularly in the uh, industrialized nations, uh, United States and, and, and the other Western nations, uh, through all the pollution that we have in the air to maintain our high level of technology. So that's very important to understand that. All right, so getting back to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. So I hope I've proved to you that a temple will be built despite what people have been teaching. And then Jesus even stated that there would be a holy place. So, that's a temple. So anyway, in the King James Version, it states here, And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? 
Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. So he prophesied the destruction of the second temple in A.D. 70, and it did happen. And in verse 3, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, which is across from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem today, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, and reading the King James Version again, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign? The word sign in Greek means, say, meon, and it means indication. Okay, what's the indication of that coming and of the end of the world? All right? In verse 4, and Jesus answered and said unto him, and the first thing that came out of his mouth is deception. Uh, he says, take heed that no man deceive you. Deceive means to err, to seduce, to trick. No man deceive you. For many, not the few, many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. So the first thing that he told us is, is, you know, during the time of his age, but definitely in the 21st century, there is a lot of deception, folks. Now, the book of Revelation is about the 21st century, folks. The 21st century is the end-time century. We have the capability, I just read to you, where we can destroy each other ten times over, maybe five times or whatever, but we can definitely destroy mankind off the face of the earth. We've been that way for years, but especially in the 21st century. All right, so, deception, Revelation 12, verse 9, states, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and, and Satan, which deceives or tricks the whole world. Remember, this book is about the 21st century. It's about the end time century. And so, when you read this, you understand that deception has really gotten bad here. And in Revelation chapter 17, Revelation chapter 17, verse 1, And there came... One of the seven angels, which had the seven vows, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. Verse 2. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk. Perhaps physically, too, but definitely spiritually. With the wine of her fornication. And, and it's not talking about physical fornication. Spiritual fornication. Uh, that forni Spiritual fornication is believing other gods or having relationship with other gods other than the true God. And that's what it's talking about here. And then because of this, Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 7, it says, Babylon has been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunk. So everyone has been drunken by Babylon other than Yeshua. The nations have drunken of her wine with the exception yeah, of Yeshua and also Yohanan and Jeremiah, because they were all born from the womb uh, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in them at, at birth, so I would say those three. But anyway, Babylon has been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. Drunken, and this is shakar, and it means tipsy, 
satiate or satiate with a stimulating drink. Okay? The nations have drunken of her wine, therefore the nations are mad. <laughs> and this halal means to to uh, be foolish. That's what it means, to be foolish. Just like the guy masturbating out in the street. That's a foolish thing. And and, and many people have foolish minds, unfortunately, today in these end times. And in Hosea chapter 4, it's talking about our people. And I have to put this disclaimer in again uh, for those who have, are hearing me for the first time. Uh, the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, which includes Canada, uh, the countries in Northwestern Europe, New Zealand, South Af Africa, Australia, are all a part of the Ten Tribes of Israel. Uh, for proof of this, you go to your Davidi's website. It's www.beasamboy.org for biblical and outside biblical sources that will prove that we are a part of Israel. Now, of course, the Jews are a part of Israel. Everyone knows that. Uh, and they're, they're considered the, the tribe of Judah. And there are 12 tribes of Israel. And they will be the leading, and they should be leading now, but they definitely will be leading in the millennium all the other nations of the world. But in verse 1 of, of Hosea, chapter 1, let's see how, many, how much time I have here. Uh, plenty of time, okay. And Isaiah, not I, Isaiah, I'm sorry, Hosea, chapter 4, verse 1, in the King James, Hear or understand the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. This is talking about us and the other countries I just mentioned to you, and also people who don't dwell in those countries but claim to be believers in Yeshua being the king of Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord have a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, meaning the majority uh, don't have the truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. It's heard about, all you have to do is, is go over the, the news in the past two weeks of a teenager going in and shooting up people in, in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, you, you hear of other things, uh, horrendous murders, uh, not only going in this country but around the world. And, of course, every day, I don't know if you realize this, but we kill about over 4,000, uh, around 4,000 babies every day are aborted. So that's in, in the context of blood touching blood, shedding innocent blood. Verse 3, Therefore shall the land mourn, and it is, and every one that dwells there in shall language with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of the heaven, as the fishes of the sea, and also shall be taken away as a prophecy of the future. Verse 4, Yet let no man strive, nor reprove another, for, the, for thy people are as they that strive with the priests. Therefore shall thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. Now, this is the verse I wanted to get to. Verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That you shall know that that no priest that okay, where am I? I will also reject thee. 
that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law, the teachings of thy God. I will also forget thy children, which explains the reason why we hear of children dying uh, because of natural uh, catastrophes like tornadoes and hurricanes and so forth. Uh, if we don't remember God and seek to obey him, hebraically that's what remember means, to, to be able to act on what you know, to do what you're supposed to do, remember, um, then he's going to forget you and your children. So that that's unfortunate, but that that's what he has done, and that's what he will continue to do. So anyway, the deception is really bad in these end times. Matthew chapter 24, that's one of the signs to look for. The deception, the difficulty of truth. And the way to truth is very rare in this age, folks. Not too many people reach that that path. Uh, in Matthew 7, verse 14, it says, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, or which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. So in this age, before the coming, before his coming, um, not too many people are going to... Uh, to uh, grab home, uh, grab a hold of the truth. Now, when the tribulation begins, of course, that's <laughs> that's when people will, you know, when, through great troubles. That's when many people wake up. But he's talking about a time when there's not great trouble. People will not take God seriously. Most people don't take him take him seriously. That's why the Bible says that the whole world's deceived, and he states here that very few people, very few people. Uh, find the true way of life. This word means, in, in the Greek, all egos, and it means puny, a few, small, a small group of people in all the ages of man have ever found the way to truth. And he states here, the antithesis of this, or the opposite of this in verse 13, enter ye in at the gate, at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in. This is what our Lord and Savior has stated in red letters in the King James Version. All right, so we understand that one of the, the signs of the end times is deception. Now, what's next on the list? Verse 6, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not you are not troubled. Troubled means, in the Greek, to be frightened. For all these things must come to pass. But the end, the end of the age, or the conclusion, is not yet. So what Yeshua is telling us, that don't be so wound up, you know, with, with, you know, with what's going on in uh, Damascus right now. Don't be so concerned about it that you just can't function. Don't let it drive you crazy. There's nothing you can do about it. As Yeshua stated, that all these things must come to pass. We've had many wars. I listed the, the major wars that we've had last week in last week's Bible study. And we're going to continue to have wars. We're having wars right now. There's war going on right now as I'm speaking. And not only are there wars nationally, but locally and Sociably, 
or socially, I should say, among our own families. And what causes wars? Let's let's go over that again. And, and James, the Bible tells you what causes wars. James 4, verse 1, From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your own lust, that war in your members. What's the word war? What does that mean in the Greek? It means strat, yo, am, a, and it means to serve in a military campaign, to execute the, uh, to contend with, to have a contention with. Okay, and we have lusts or desires that war in our members or in our bodies. It says you lust, you crave and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, you fight in war, and this word war means polemio. It means to be engaged in battle. Yet ye have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss or badly that you may consume it upon your own lust. And he says you adulterers and adulterers. He's not talking about literally being adulterers and adulterers. Uh, says no, he's talking about spiritually because you... Um, he could be talking both. He says adulterers and adulterers. You can apply this physically and spiritually, folks. Ye adulterers and adulterers, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity or hostility towards God. So if you're a friend of the world, you're considered an adulterer and an adulterer, both male and female, if you are friends of the world. And I went over that last week, what that is, and I'll go over it again. Says whoever therefore would be a friend of the world is enmity of God, and you are considered a spiritual adulterer if you are. That's what he's talking about there. Okay, and that's what the book of Revelation is talking about when it said uh, that uh, you committed adultery with her. And I explained to you what Babylon is. I'm breaking this down. Babylon is the false religious, educational, governmental system and religious system of this world. That's what it is. And we can't attach ourselves to that. He tells us to come out of Babylon in Revelation 18, verse 4, so we don't uh, receive any of her plagues. We should come out of her physically and spiritually. Come out and don't participate in Babylon's evil activities, which is really summarized here in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15. Now, you understand if you if you are a friend of the world, you are God's enemy, and you are committing spiritual adultery, according to what uh, he has stated through um, Johannan. First John chapter, or actually James, Yeshua's uh, brother. First John 2, verse 15. I'm reading this in the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. It says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If someone loves the world, then... Love for the Father is not in him. It's meaning the things in the world. That's what it's saying. You shouldn't love. You should not um, have hate for your fellow human being because Yeshua came to die for many people and those many people didn't know him. So he's not talking about don't love the people in the world. He's saying don't love the world or the society, the wicked acts of the world that are done by people. That's what he's saying. If someone loves the world, then love for the Father is not in him. Or the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, because all the things of the world, 
And this is a summary of Babylon here. The desires of the old nature, the desires of the eyes, and the pretensions of life are not from the Father, but from the world. Okay? And the desires of the old nature could be your your lust for sex and and pornography and drugs and so forth, the desires of the eyes that has something to do with the pornography again. And then television, we spend too much time on television in this country, I think anywhere from four to six hours a day, uh, which is ridiculous. And in verse 17, And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does God's will remains forever. I mean, we, we have all kinds of... Re- ridiculous commercials we we have women almost butt naked on, on television we mtv uh, mtv is probably one of the worst programs ever created i mean television programs or stations ever created in the history of television because it really what mtv is all about is destroying whoever's i mean destroying whoever's looking at mtv you're going to constantly see images of, of women and men bearing their bodies. And it's all about the world. It's all about the desires of the flesh and the desires of the old natures and the pretensions of life. And that one television station has really influenced the youth and it also influenced adults of today. And I, I do not, my family does not look at MTV. We don't have a desire to look at it, and we will never, ever look at MTV unless they start to <laughs> turn into a Christian television station, which I don't think is going to ever happen. And verse 17, this is the ultimate reason why we should love the things of the world or the wicked things of the world. And this world is passing away along with his desires, but whoever does God's will will remain forever. Okay, so we need to understand that. Let's get back to Matthew chapter 24 again. Again, I'm trying to break this down so that you can understand it. It's very important for you to understand at this time, this chapter. Okay, verse 7 of Matthew chapter 24. It says, for nations shall rise against nation. This word was incorrectly translated. The word nation means ethnos, and it means a race, a a family, a tribe. That's what it means, people. It can be translated nation, but a more accurate translation, according to complete Jewish Bible version, which confirms this, for peoples will fight each other. So let's stop there. We, we have have heard many stories over the years, and even this year, of family members killing one another, warring against one another. And you know the reason why. is because they want to be friends of the world, and they have these lusts and desires that are bad. And God is not going to grant you your desires that are wrong, folks. He's not going to do that. And for you to ask him, say, hmm, I want to commit adultery with this woman. Father, can you grant me uh, the ability and the power to seduce this woman? He's not going to grant you that. I mean, that's an extreme case, but uh, I'm just giving an example that God is not going to, he's not going to grant you that wish. And that's the kind of lusting that God does not want you to do. 
Okay, so peoples will fight each other, and they are. Uh, in society, you have gangs in the communities. You have all these. had that for years, but it's, it's gotten worse. Uh, so, so, so bad that they had news reports of kids or young young kids, teenagers, going into stores as a mob and just going into like 50 or 100 of them, going into a store and just taking whatever they want and leaving. That's how bad it is. Anyway, for peoples will fight each other, nations will fight each other, and there will be famines, which means starvation, uh, on a uh, great plain, and earthquakes in various parts of the world. Now, we've had some of the greatest earthquakes ever in the history of the world in this century already, folks. Verse 8, all this is but the beginning of the birth pains. And women, you understand this. And men, to a certain extent, you will too if you're with your, your wives as they were having their babies. Birth pains. So look at all this. What are birth pains? The deception, the wars, the famines, the earthquakes in various parts of the world, the peoples fighting each other around the world. Nations fighting each other. All this is the birth pains. It's just the beginning of the birth pains, the beginning of the great trouble. All right? And in verse 9, verse 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and he's talking about specifically them, uh, the, the disciples, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. But this is not just applying to the disciples back then. It's also applying to all the disciples uh, that have been followers of Yeshua. And it can apply to us today. Some of us could be killed and hated for his name's sake. Already they're, this country, they're, they're trying to, to, to pass legislation that will identify people like me and, and other people that are preaching the truth. Now, this country doesn't like the truth. Uh, not too many countries do, <laughs> or, or the people in them. Uh, Isaiah chapter 59 tells us that. Uh, there, there's no hardly any truth in the land. And I already read you in Hosea chapter 4, but also Isaiah chapter 59 tells you that as well. People don't want to hear the truth. And what is truth? Psalm 119 verse 142 is, is the teachings of God. People don't want to hear that. They don't. They, they want to hear false things. They want to hear uh, smooth things. Let me uh, quote a scripture here. It's coming to my mind here about that. Yeah, in Isaiah 30, verse 10, there's another prophecy about that. And this, uh, Isaiah 30, verse 8. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book. And he did. <laughs> the book of Isaiah, and noted in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever, the 21st century. Verse 9, that this is a rebellious people, bitter people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of God. They don't hear the law of God. Most of us don't in this country and around the world. We don't hear the law of God. Law means the teachings of God, the Torah. Verse 10, would say to the seers, the seers, those who have a 
understanding of seeing the Bible and applying it properly. See not into the prophets, those, of course, that predict future events. Also, prophets are people who just preach the truth out of the Bible and understand the prophecies. Prophecy not, prophesy not unto us or contemplate or don't have a vision unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things or flattery because prophecy deceits. So they're saying that (laughs) the words of God, which is prophecy in many places in the Bible, deceits. That's the mindset of most people today. In verse 11, and this is their attitude, get out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. And this is what God has in response to that ridiculous attitude. Verse 12, wherefore thus says the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression, and that's what we have done in this country, haven't we? Unjust gain, that's what oppression is. I just read you that Latinos and blacks will still be suffering in this economy. We have the widest gap among the rich and the poor of any other nation around the world. There's no excuse for that other than oppression and perverseness, as the Bible states here, to be have a state of being a pervert. Perverseness. And then in verse 13, Therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. So, you know, that that is us today, folks. And we need to take his word seriously. Matthew 24, again, let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. All right, so then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Verse 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. That is also a sign of the end times. Uh, I've been betrayed this week already by someone who was falsely accusing me of preaching um, that and I've already proved this in my program that uh, Yeshua and God are two persons. They're not, I mean, they're God, they're one, they agree with each other, but they are two distinct individuals. <laughs> and th- this can be proven through the scriptures. And I, I quoted these scriptures, and I'm not going to go over this. Uh, if you guys want to know what He's debating to uh, He has an issue with me about You could look, or in the archives, you could uh, listen to uh, who or, or what is Elo, a, a, Elohim. And then also, did Yeshua exist before the first century? Listen to those. And, and I quote scriptures after scriptures to prove my point. But I'm going to quote one scripture right now to summarize this. First uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. It says, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. All right, and I'm going to quote another scripture here in Hebrews. 
chapter 1 that proves that Yeshua is God and he has a God as well. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8, but unto the Son, he says, so there's another being saying something to a Son, obviously that's the Father, thy throne, O God, so he's calling his Son a God, a mighty one, that's what Elohim means, it's plural, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, therefore God, even thy God, have anointed thee with oil of gladness above thy fellows. Verse 10, And thou, Lord, in the beginning, hast laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens and the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but you remain, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. Okay, so that's what God the Father said to his own Son, who he acknowledged also is a mighty one. But the Son is not a mightier one than the mightiest one. <laughs> and he even said this himself in John chapter 14 verse 28 John 14 verse 28 you have heard how I said unto you I go away and come again unto you if you love me you would rejoice because I said I go unto the father for my father is greater than I okay he's greater he's an elder he's larger he's more than I that's what that means in the Greek so that's what your Lord and Savior stated, folks. If you want to argue, you better argue with him, because I didn't make those words. And then uh, John chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. He has a God, folks. And I'm going to stop there. There's plenty of other scriptures I can quote, but... You need to do some Bible study if you think that God, that Yeshua is God the Father. And and it's just one being and they, and they morph back and forth into God the Father and, and, and God the Son. That's not scriptural. That is an error. And you need to, to believe what the Bible says about that. All right. But anyway, that I have been portrayed and, and called a not teaching uh this particular doctrine correctly about who and what his God is because this individual refuses to believe what the Bible says. There's nothing that I can do. And another scripture, too, which is a very easy scripture for even a little child to understand, uh, Genesis 1, verse 26 states plainly, and God said, let us make man in our image. And the guy was telling me, well, we're not made in our image. Well, what is God saying here in the scripture? And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Us is plural, and our is plural, more than one. So God is identifying himself with us, which makes sense, because the word God in Hebrew is Elohim, and it means, it can mean angels, it can mean judges, uh, mighty. That's what it means, mighty ones. Okay, so God is telling you, even though he's one, he's a compound unity, that's what Ekad means in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, in the famous Shema, the beginning of the Shema. Okay? Uh, he's a compound unity. That's how he's one. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping 
thing that creepeth upon the earth. Okay, so God identifies him as an us, himself as us. And then in John chapter 17, to understand the concept of one, uh, he explains this here. Uh, Yeshua. Well, first of all, I want you to notice something. He stated in verse 3 of John 17, and thus is the life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. Now, why is he saying that his Father is the only true God, folks? Well, it's revealed in Colossians that Yeshua is the image of God. An image is not the original source, folks. <laughs> An image is not the original source. So that's the reason why he calls the Father the only true God. Even though he's God, too, because he's the Word of God. He came from God. But he doesn't consider himself the only true God, folks. Yeshua. So anyway, and that's another Bible study in itself, but all these scriptures are here. And in verse 11 of John 17, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, in verse 11 of John 17, Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. <laughs> So now you understand the ECOD principle. One means that you're in unity, that you agree, that you're all in agreement, you have the same character, as he states here. I keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. So now you understand how, when Yeshua quoted in John 10, verse 30, my father and I are one, he meant one, in regards to being in agreement, not being one being that morphs into the Father and to the Son at will. That's not what it's talking about. So you, you have to, to believe what the Scriptures state, folks. You have to believe what the Scriptures say. In verse 21 of John chapter 17, that they all may be one as thou, Father, are in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Here we go again with the concept of one again. Verse 22, And the glory which thou gave me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. Here we go again. I mean, this is all in the Scriptures, folks. In verse 23, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. <laughs> the, the, the word of God, if you believe it, folks, is not difficult if you just believe what it says. And when you start doubting the words of God, it's going to be difficult for you to understand the words of God. So anyway, back to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And I've got to move on here. I have 44 minutes. But I just wanted to explain it if this individual is listening to me, which I don't know, after the exchange, I doubt it. But uh, if he is, uh, I hope that will help you understand how Yeshua and God is one. He God. And God is a family. He wants to expand his family. And Yeshua is not going to be the only son of God, as is Revealed in Hebrews chapter 2. So anyway, getting back here. So 
in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 24, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Verse 11, And many false prophets shall rise, and to trick or deceive many. Now, he said that's the first thing that came out of his mouth when they had asked in, in verse 3, what is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And deception, obviously, that that's one of the greatest signs, and and uh, that's been going on for ages. But especially now, in, in this end time, it's going to be some real crazy deception. Verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I like the complete Jewish Bible version of this. Uh, I think it's a lot clearer. And many people's love will grow cold because of increased distance from Torah, which is the teachings and laws of God. And getting back to the King James Version again to understand the code. It says, um, chill. And it says, the love of many shall wax cold. And that, that's just not just talking about in the assemblies of God. Uh, there's definitely not the kind of love that should be there in the assemblies of God, as First Corinthians chapter 12 reveals. Uh, that's the reason why there's a lot of uh, different teachings and so forth, and people disagree because they don't have the same love for one another. And so Yeshua confirms that here in this verse. And just like when you hold an icicle in your hand, that's the, that's the way people care about each other in this end time. Uh, is really loving your neighbor as yourself is very lacking in this end time. I, I know from experience. And even people of your own blood family, your parents, unfortunately, um, they don't care about you like they should, and that's not right. You know, uh, we, we should all care for one another, and we should all be looking to help one another. Acts chapter twenty reveals this. Acts chapter twenty, verse thirty-five. I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. In this country, unfortunately, we, we are not remembering the poor and the weak as we should and around the world. But we don't have an excuse in this country. It's no excuse anyway, but especially us. It would take, according to former presidential candidate John Edwards, he stated that it would take $20 billion, that's what it would be, $20 billion to eliminate poverty in this country. We have almost 50 million people right now that have to depend on food stamps that aren't generating enough income to survive. You have millions of people out of work. And we have the richest people in the world in this country. We have the most billionaires in this country. There's no excuse why any American who has a desire to improve him or herself, there's no excuse why that individual should not be helped through loans, and I'm glad this new SBA loan program is coming out. I desperately need it right now. Uh, I know that the ideas that I have that God has revealed to me is going to help me catapult my business to the point of where I could make a decent amount of money and help people and perhaps publish some free books that I could uh, uh, distribute for free to people to help them understand the true God of the Bible and the true Yeshua or Jesus of the Bible. That's my goal. I want to do some Internet advertising. But all this costs money, folks, and um, I'm going to do the best I can to generate the money that I can to do these things. Of course, any of you who would like to help out, that's great, but I'm not going to be uh, begging you every week to give me money and 
emailing you and all that. I mean, that's not what a ministry is about. Uh, Elohim, he provides. He provides for me in mysterious ways. And so that's what I depend on. And he gives me what I need for this ministry. So anyway, that's what we have to do. And we have to understand the reason why we work, folks, is not because of ourselves or our immediate families, although, yes, that's part of the reason why we work as well. But there's a greater reason why we work, folks. So... Ephesians 4, verse 28, it's not just for our immediate families or for ourselves. Uh, let them, let him that stole still no more, Ephesians 4, verse 28, let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give, that he may have to give to him that needs. And that's not just your family, folks, it's anyone. And I want to get to a point where I can do that. The best way I'm giving right now is... is uh, creating these Bible studies every week for free. As uh, Yeshua inspired Shaul to state that uh, that's what he wanted to do is preach the gospel for free, and that's what I'm doing. And my reward is that I can gain people and and wake them up out of their spiritual drunkenness, as I spoke about earlier, that's prevalent, especially in this 21st century deception, not just with religion, but with anything. Um that's my reward, and of course I'm building treasure in heaven. That's the focus should be on building treasure in heaven, not on this earth. So, getting back to Matthew chapter 24 again. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And so we understand that because iniquity shall abound, or lawlessness... The love of many shall wax cold. Many people don't care about one another like they should today. Verse 13, but he that shall endure unto the end, the end, uh, when he comes back and lands his feet on the Mount of Olives, the same shall be saved. So you're not really saved unless, and see, this this can be interpreted two ways. Your end, if you die tomorrow, that's your end. And if you endure until your end, you shall be saved. And also is talking about people that are fortunate to be alive, or maybe unfortunate, I don't know, <laughs> whatever way you want to think about it, I guess. But uh, if you're still alive up until the point of Yeshua coming, then, of course, uh, it's talking about you're enduring until the end, until you're changed into a spirit being. But you won't be changed into a spirit being before the dead. The dead will be raised first, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and changed, and then you will be changed. Um, in either case, you know you, you're going to be dying. Your body's, gonna, your physical body, will be terminated in an instant, and then you'll have a spiritual body. But anyway, but he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And many people don't understand this scripture. I know me and my wife were part of a, a crazy church that was. Stating the fact that Mr. Armstrong did fulfill this, Mr. Hubert W. Armstrong fulfilled this this scripture here that he preached the gospel around the world, and that is totally not true, folks. Uh, he did not preach the gospel to every man, woman, and child around the world. How is that going to be accomplished? Well, let's look at Revelation again. Matthew is is really this Olivet prophecy is tied into the Book of Revelation, 
And the amazing thing is that the answer to this is in Revelation chapter 14. And this is Matthew 24, verse 14. Uh, Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, which in this case means the sky, the middle of the sky, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. So this prophecy has not been fulfilled. It has been, it was fulfilled in the first century, and it's being fulfilled, not just through someone preaching, but also around a few believers in the world that through their works, through their actions, letting their light shine, they are witnessing to in, in their communities around the world who the real God is. Okay? So as Psalm 105 verse 1 states, 105 verse 1, it states, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. But how do we do that? Colon, continue the thought. Make known his deeds among the people. And that's what true believers of God do. They make uh, the Lord's deeds among the people because spiritually Yeshua should be living in you. In Galatians 2 verse 20, it says, let me just quote it here. Galatians 2 verse 20. Galatians 2 verse 20. It states that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So uh, you're going to be doing his deeds. He's going to be living in you and, and influencing you to, to act like he would act and do what he would do and think the way he would think through his spirit. Okay, back to Matthew so we understand that the gospel ultimately will be preached around the world by an angel, and also the two witnesses will be preaching uh, for three and a half years as well during this time period. Uh, and that has not begun yet. Uh, the two witnesses aren't, uh, they may be alive right now, whether they're two individuals or two groups of people. That's another Bible study, but uh, they're not preaching around the world yet and causing the world not to reign causing it not to rain and, and doing other kinds of uh, uh, destruction as they will be doing uh, to uh, punish those who don't want to obey God. They're not doing that yet. But anyway, Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. So we understand that, and here's another thing too, you have these false preachers, or if they don't mean to be false, they're still preaching false, saying that they're reaching the... The, the entire world through the Internet. Well, the Internet only has a reach, folks, of 2 billion people. There's 7 billion people in the world. So they're not reaching everyone around the world, as the angel and the two witnesses will. The two witnesses will reach people around the world because it, said, it says, and let's go to Revelation chapter 11 here. Revelation chapter 11, verse 10. And this is after they were killed. It says, And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry, and shall send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. So obviously the whole world heard their message. So I can say through the scriptures that the two witnesses also will preach the gospel around the world, but also the, the angel will do it again before these seven vile plagues will be thrown upon the earth. And before Yeshua comes back, he's going to warn the world one last time 
before he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives and destroy anybody who opposes him. That process will begin when he lands his feet on the, on the Mount of Olives. All right, back to Matthew chapter 24. So Matthew chapter 24. All right, so 15 is a pivotal verse in this chapter. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, so it's something that we're going to see, okay? Stand in the holy place, whoever readeth, let him understand. So let me, we need to go to Luke to understand this. Luke chapter 21, in the comparable Olivet uh, prophecy, but I can say there's a little more information added here. Verse 20. Luke chapter 21, verse 20. And when you shall see Jerusalem compass with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is near. So when you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem, you don't wait until the abomination of desolation occurs, uh, which, if you understand Daniel, it was the uh, it was uh, Antiochus Epiphanes and later Titus going in and and. and destroying the temple and putting something there that, that should not be there. You want you don't want to wait until that happens. You want to wait until what is described here in verse 20 happens. It says, and when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation there is not. That's the time, if you're in, around in that area, in the West Bank, that's the time to flee. Verse 21, when you see the army surrounding before the abomination of desolation occurs. Verse 21, then let them which are in Judea, which is the West Bank, flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. So, I said a little different than Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, but you get the, you get the concept there. It says, for these shall be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Okay, and then verse 23, But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people, and they in the land of uh, the West Bank, in Jerusalem. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, the entire city, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. All right, and then Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. Here's another version of this. Verse 14, But when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, standing where it ought not. So let's understand this. When we gather all the scriptures together, the time to flee is when you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem before they go into the temple, before the anti-Messiah goes into the temple and claims that he's God. And that is also an abomination. And, and from Revelation chapter 13, there's going to be some statue built too. And it's going to be made to miraculously speak according to Revelation chapter 13. But when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that read of understanding, understand rather, then let them that be in Judea, the West Bank, flee to the mountains. And let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house, 
neither enter to take anything out of his house. And let him that is in the field not turn back again, but to take up his garment. But woe unto them that are with child, and those unto them that give suck in those days. And pray that your flight be not in the winter, for in those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created unto this time, neither shall be. And except that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he has chosen, he has shortened the days. All right? So that's another version of that, a little more information. But this, and then when we go back to Matthew chapter 24 again, I want to focus on one thing here. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. It states that there's going to be a holy place, which means a temple, again. The holy place is a temple. And many people are teaching that there will not be a temple, and yet our Lord and Savior stated there will be a holy place. And there was a holy place in the time of Antiochus Epiphanes, which was a type of what he's talking about, the abomination of desolation, which you'll understand if you read the, the first chapter of Maccabees, which is a part of the Apocrypha which was included in the King James Version, the first version of it, and then they took it out for whatever reason. Anyway, but the, the, the book of Maccabees explains what the abomination of desolation is. And it's also talking about A.D. 70, because that was another type of abomination, uh, abomination of desolation. If you read the history of it, Titus, uh, which is in Josephus and, and other uh, historical books. Okay, so this there's going to be a holy place, folks. And that's why he told you to go back to Daniel to understand what he's talking about. And when you go to Daniel, it's talking about a temple. It's talking about a temple. And uh, let's go to Daniel here, as he stated us to do. Uh, Daniel chapter 9. Again, if you don't believe that a temple is going to be built, folks, that's on you. I'm going to believe what God's Word says. And if you go to Daniel, if you go to templeinstitute.org, you see that they are already preparing to build the temple, folks. TempleInstitute.org. That's your proof right there. Daniel chapter 9, starting at 24 to 27. I'm not going to go over a... Uh, I, I may do a program on this to explain this. Uh, but Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up the vision and a prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Most holy. Okay, so know, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. So this prophecy is dual. It appears that the temple will be built again in troublous times. Verse 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, which is talking about the Messiah being uh, murdered on the on the cross, but not for himself. And the people of the prince, that's Titus, this is not talking about Antiochus Epiphanes, but Titus shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. All right? And the end thereof shall be with a flood, and until the end of the war the desolations are determined. Verse 27, And he shall confirm a covenant, so there's going to be some kind of agreement, some people think that Yeshua did this. Uh, other people saying it's, 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 um, actually Titus did this historically. 
but there could be a future Titus or Antiochus Epiphanes or Antimessiah that's going to confirm a covenant for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause, and this may happen in the future. We don't know, but we know that it's going to be similar to what happened. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the, and the oblation to cease. So there's going to be, in the midst of the week, that's talking about the, the, the three and a half years. He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of the abomination, he shall make it desolate. Abomination makes desolate. And even until the consummation, and, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, that phrase, holy, holy place, if you look up, if you do a search on holy place, the actual phrase. The holy place, in most cases, is talking about the temple of God. And in particular, in the New Testament, Acts 6, verse 13, and set up a false witness and said, This man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against his holy place. And the law says, talking about the temple there. And uh, Acts 21, verse 28, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man that teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law in this place, and further brought Greeks also into the temple, and polluted this holy place. So that scripture there tells you that the temple is the holy place. In <laughs> uh, Hebrews 9, verse 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place. Okay, verse 25, not uh, Hebrews chapter 9, not Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place. All right? So Yeshua is telling us through his own words, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoever readeth, let him understand. That's interesting that he put that there because that's a prophecy of people won't understand what he just said, that there's going to be a temple. You might as well put in temple because the scripture that interprets this scripture correctly is Acts 21, verse 28. It says, Crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law in this place, and further brought Greeks also into the temple and have polluted this holy place. Holy place is linked with the temple. Okay, and it's something that you enter into. All right, so let's let's understand that. And then also, how much time I have left here? 21 minutes. Let me go back to Matthew chapter 24. I can talk a little over if I want, but uh, I'm going to try to see if I can get this taken care of here quickly. All right, so holy place. We understand there's going to be a holy place. He says, whoever readeth, let him understand and realize there is a holy place that and see this is all what Hanukkah is about too. It's about the abomination of desolation uh, through Antiochus Epiphanes, and then of course Titus. Uh, some, a similar event happened, and involved and both involved a temple that was already built. And so will it be in the end time, according to Yeshua's words? And I'm going to go by Yeshua's words, not some great scholar that thinks he knows everything about the Bible, or thinks he knows enough to teach the Bible. So anyway. Um, and then Second Thessalonians, you have to preach his words faithfully. That's a true servant of God. That's a true preacher of God, not someone that doubts the words and says certain things to, to encourage you to doubt them as well. In verse 
Second Thessalonians 2, verse 4, it says, Who oppose and exalt himself above all that is worship God, or that is worship, so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And many people say this is a spiritual temple. No, it's a, this anti-Messiah is going to sit in the temple of God. Perhaps he's going to sit in the holy place, uh, the holiest of holies, on the mercy seat. And, and, and it's a possibility that there will be a mercy seat in this temple that they're going to build in the future, according to the scriptures. Okay. Getting back to Matthew chapter 24. And I don't know if there's going to be a, there's going to be obviously some peace deal to allow uh, the Jews to build this temple, but I don't know if it's going to be the seven-year period because it appears that Yeshua is just focusing not on the seven-year period. He's focusing on the three and a half years, the 42 months, the 1,260 years. So I think that's the focus. The focus should be on that. The birth pains, we know what the birth pains are, war, deception, famine, earthquakes in various places, pestilence. Those are all the beginnings of the great trouble, which he said don't be troubled about that. All that's going to happen, wars and everything. But what we really need to look at, if we're still alive at this time, if we see the army surrounding Jerusalem, well, there's two things. A rebuilt temple. Once that temple is built, that's a warning enough. I wouldn't, if I were you, I wouldn't wait for the armies to surround Jerusalem to really start preparing. We should, you should be preparing now, first of all, okay? But I'm saying that if you fall asleep after you hear this, and when you see, <laughs> if you're still alive. No, I'm not going to even say that, folks. Look, you could die tomorrow, okay? You need to be ready now. You need to be ready now. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. If you're fortunate enough to still be alive at this time, then you need to do what the Master has told you. If you are alive, and when you see the army surround Jerusalem, it's time to get in a fleeing mode at that time. It's time to really get the family together. And it's time to enact on all the preparations that you have done to prepare for this this end times, uh, the, this terrible time that we're all going to be going through if we're still alive at this time. But again, you could die tomorrow, so you need to be prepared anyway, either way. Don't wait for this event to occur to prepare. You need to be prepared now because you don't know when your end is going to come. All right? And verse uh, 17, uh, I think I already read this in the other uh, versions of this here. Okay, and you under, I already understand Matthew 21, Matthew 24, verse 21 and 22. All right, and now he's getting back to the deception again. It, obviously, deception is going to be a real sign at this end time, folks. Uh, you know, it's a lot of people lying to you, not just through the Bible, folks, but also through education. It's a lot of lies. The, the media lies to you. It's all controlled by the elite anyway. Matthew 24, verse 23, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and show great signs and wonders. They're going to even show signs and wonders, miracles. And so much that, if possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Okay, the believers, true believers. So, again, I want to, I, I do want to overemphasize and underscore, and over-underscore that, one of the things that Yeshua repeated in this chapter is the deception, the trickery that's 
going on as I'm speaking, not just through religion, but in our government, in our educational systems. There's a lot of deception that you're going to have to put up with. And there is. There's a lot of deception. Verse, he says, verse 25, to, to warn us all, to, to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, behold, I have told you before. Verse 26, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he's in the desert. I had uh, me and my wife were in this crackpot church that uh, they were teaching that Jesus Christ arrived in a court case. All right, so I mean, that, that's just ridiculous, but that's the kind of shenanigans that you're going to hear about in, the, in these end times. Verse 26, Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. And he's talking about his second coming here. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And for... For wheresoever the carcass is, the body is there where the eagles be gathered. He's talking about when he comes back. If you read Revelation chapter 19, toward the end, he's talking about the birds eating all the flesh that have been burnt and melted. That's what he's talking about when he comes back. Now, in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, or, or the difficulty of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall, here is the process of elimination of the wicked. It begins here, literally and directly. Verse 31, And he shall send his angels with a great trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds of heaven, from one end of the heaven to the other. Okay? So that process begins with that. Also, the literal day of the Lord, when he lands his feet on, on the Mount of Olives, begins at that time as well. When we uh, turn to Joel, chapter 3. Joel, chapter 3. Verse 2. Well, actually, verse 1. For behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, in other words, uh, prevent their captivity, I will also gather all nations and will bring them into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. And they have cast lots for my people and have given a boy for an harlot and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. Yes, and, and what... Have you to do with me, O Tyre and Sidon and all the coasts of Palestine? Will ye render me recompense? And if ye recompense me swiftly and speedily, I will return your recompense upon your own head, or treatment upon your own head. Because you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried into your temples my goodly pleasant things. The children of also, the children also of Judah and the children of Jerusalem have ye sold unto the Grecians. And it's interesting that Greece is really... In the news lately, Greece. So Greece is going to play a role here in the oppression of Jews, it looks like, in the end time. So the children also of Judah and the children of Jerusalem have you sold unto the Grecians, that you might remove them far from their border. Behold, I will raise them out of the place where you have sold them and return your recompense upon your own head. And I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the children of the Judah or the Jews, and they shall sell them to the Sabians, 
to the people far off, for the Lord has spoken. Verse 9, Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together around about thither. Cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen around about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full, the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near. In the valley of the decision, and then we... He talked about the sun and the moon being dark in Matthew 24, and here he talks again through the prophet Joel. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the sun and the stars shall withdraw their shining. Then the Lord shall also roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So you shall know that I, the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain, then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall be no strangers pass through her any more. And it shall come to pass, and in that day the mountains shall drop down with new wine. So this is good news here. And the hills shall flow with milk, and all the rivers of Judah, and the west bank in Jerusalem, shall flow with waters, and the fountains shall come forth of the house of the Lord, and shall, and shall water the valley of Shittim. Egypt shall be a desolation, and Edom, which is talking about the Gentiles, shall be a desolate wilderness, and it could possibly be talking about the area of Edom today, which is in the Middle East, for the violence against the children of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall dwell forever, and Jerusalem from generation to generation, for I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed, for the Lord dwells in Zion, which is Jerusalem, where the temple will be. So that's a description of what's going to happen, what he described when he gathers all the people to himself that are believers. And, of course, uh, at that time that are still alive. And let's go over here to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Matthew Revelation chapter 16, to understand the gathering of the armies and so forth. Um, Revelation 16, verse 12, and, and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water there was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared, east of Jerusalem. And I saw three unclean spirits like falls come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, going forth into the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the, to the battle of that great day of God Almighty, the same thing that talked about in Joel. And then in verse 15, to help you to understand that this is what he was talking about when it came to the thief in the night, verse 15, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, that he walk naked, that he not walk naked, and they see his shame. And verse 16, And he gathered them together into the place called, in Hebrew, Armageddon. Armageddon. Okay? And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. That is 
obviously either Yeshua's voice, because he sits at the right hand of the Father, or the Father himself. He says, it is done. Verse 18. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since man were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake and so great, and the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon, or confusion, the great education, political, and religious false system of this world, came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, and every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague there was exceeding great. Okay, so that's what we need to understand. The plague was exceeding great, folks. And I may get cut off on this program, folks, um, live. Uh, I may use a little more minutes here. I want to really make sure that I explain this chapter in its, in its totality. And so if I get cut off, uh, you can listen to the rest of this program after I'm done, which I'm estimating maybe another 15 to 20 minutes or sooner. Okay. In the archives, you can listen to it. Now, verse 32. Learn the parable of the fig tree. This has been greatly misunderstood. Fig tree meaning Israel and all that. No, let's, let's look at what he's saying here. Now, learn a parable of the fig tree. So this parable involves the fig tree. So let's focus on a fig tree, not Israel, but fig tree. Okay? When his branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, you know that the summer is near, right? So what this is saying, folks, is that when you see the fig tree's branch tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So that is what he is saying. People that are so-called experts in prophecy are saying this is talking about Israel. No, he's talking about a fig tree, folks. <laughs> and he's comparing how a fig tree... Is, is yet tender and put forth leaves to to say that, that that's when you know summer is near. Now, in verse 33, so likewise, when you see all these things, what things? The things that were described in this chapter, the, 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 the great deception, the wars, the famines, the earthquakes, which is the beginning of, of the tribulation of great problems. And then when you see the armies, uh, you, you see that the great social conditions of the world right now, and I'm going to get into that too uh, when we turn to Luke chapter 17, because he compared the 21st century to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And both those uh, social conditions involve sodomy, which I'm going to go over here. And, and many people think sodomy is just homosexuality. No, it's much more than that. All right, in Matthew 24, verse 32, Now learn a parable of the fig tree, when his branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. Verse 33, so likewise, ye, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. So God wants us to have a general idea of when he's coming. We're not going to know the exact day or hour. But when these things begin, the countdown has begun, and... Hold your place here. Let me turn to Daniel. Let me turn to Daniel. Because God gave us some days to count. He really did. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time, the time that we're talking about, the time of the, the start of the Great Tribulation, when 
the abomination the abomination of desolation will occur. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which stands for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation to the same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. And this is a very pivotal chapter, folks, folks, Daniel chapter 12, to understand the 21st century and the day, the end time that we're living in now. Daniel 12, verse 2, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. It means exactly what it's saying. So if you wise, wise person uh, takes... God's word seriously, and they hate evil, as Proverbs 8, verse 13 states. And they that be wise shall shine at the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book to the time of the end, the time that we're living in right now. The book of Daniel is open for anyone that wants to understand it. The book of Revelation is open to anyone that wants to understand it. The book of Revelation is linked with the book of Daniel. Hold your place here, and let me turn to Revelation chapter 22 to prove that to you. This book was not meant to be fully understood until the 21st century. First. Re- Revelation chapter 22, verse 10. And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He's talking about this time that we're living in today. Time is at hand. So this book is open to anyone that wants to believe God's words. That's the purpose of it. Revelation 1, verse 3. Blessed is he that reads, and they that understand the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. The time of the end is at hand. We are in the 21st century, folks. So the time to understand these prophecies is now. We don't run away from them. Revelation chapter 19 tells us that the believers, the true believers of God, have a mindset of prophecy, folks. And I fell, Revelation 19 verse 10, and I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See that you don't do this. I am thy fellow servant and thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, colon, continue the thought, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of, Spirit in this context means breath, soul, life, your mind. The testimony of Jesus is the mind of prophecy. Prophecy, of course, is prediction. And so true believers don't run away from prophecy. They embrace it. Matthew chapter 24, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 28 states the following here. If I can find it, I think it's 29. Let's see. Yeah. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, where there is no vision or revelation or oracle, the the people perish. And this word means prophetic vision. Okay? It means prophetic vision. So when we don't have prophetic prophetic vision, and this is uh, translated correctly in the complete Jewish Bible version, 
Proverbs 29, verse 18, without a prophetic vision, the people throw off restraint. They they don't feel motivated to want to obey. <laughs> but he who keeps Torah is happy. That's the reason why we can't run away from from future prophecy because that's the way most of us are. We, 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 we learn how to obey God through the judgments of God. Isaiah chapter 26. Unfortunately, you know, I'm not like that. I've I've learned how to not be that way, but the majority of people are like that. They need to see destruction. They need to see something to to actually believe that God is going to do what He says He's going to do. So that that's unfortunate, but that's the way most people are. You know, when there's a hurricane or a tornado headed at you, then of course naturally you're going to start thinking about God. <laughs> uh, but God wants you to think of Him. He wants you to think of him regardless or that there's a tornado or hurricane being uh, hurled at you. Uh, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 9. With my soul, I have desired thee in the night. Yes, with my spirit within me, I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the earth will learn righteousness. And that's just the way most of the inhabitants of the earth are. And God knows that. Matthew chapter 24 again. This great chapter. That explains and summarizes prophecy for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. All right, so when you see the social conditions of people not caring about one another, which is sodomy, which I'm going to get into, um, when you see all these wars and you see families shooting up each other and betraying one another, you see all all these things, then you know that and then when you see the army surrounding, when you see that the temple's built, and then when you see the army surrounding you, you know that his coming is near, even at the doors. Okay? And then verse 34, he says, Verily I say unto you, this generation where all these things occur, which really began in 1945, shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, a generation, the Bible indicates in Psalm 90, verse 10, a generation could be 70 or 80 years. But I don't know. I mean, this is just speculation and estimation, but I, I I don't know the day of the hour. All I know is that we are in that generation. I don't know how long God is going to extend this generation until all these things be fulfilled, but he stated that this generation, what generation? The generation where all these things are occurring or can occur shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. And that's what he said. That's That's, that's his words in red letters. Now, Getting back to Daniel again. If we are fortunate to be alive or unfortunate, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you're unfortunate if you're not obeying God, you know, to be alive at this time. But anyway, um, in Daniel 12, verse 4, says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book to the time of the end. And it gives you an example of what the time of the end will be like. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Uh, knowledge has been increased exponentially, greatly in part because of the Internet. And it's because of the Internet that I've been able to do what I'm doing today. Uh, because of the Internet, I was able to find out that the church that me and my wife were in was a false church, and they were teaching false doctrines. Uh, so because of the Internet, uh, it states here that many people are going to be running to and fro. Some people interpret this as uh, modern transportation. It's also going to be interpreted as people seeking, trying to seek the truth. And uh, Quite a few people are seeking the truth over the Internet. Michael Rood has gr uh, grown his ministry over the Internet. Uh, other ministers have grown their ministries over the Internet. 
So that's how knowledge has been increased through the, the, the Internet. We're in the information age. The, the 21st century is definitely the information age, uh, truly the uh, explosion of information. So verse 5, because that's another sign that we're in the end times. Verse 5, then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river, and the, and the other on the other side of the other bank. And verse 6, and one said to the man clothed in linen, how, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? In other words, when will the end time be? And that's what the the uh, disciples asked Yeshua. They asked him that. When will the time be that you're going to come back? Verse 7, and I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand into heaven, and swore by him that lived forever, that it shall be for a time, that's one year, times two years, and a half, a half a year, when he shall have accomplished the scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. So it's going to be finished after 42 months, 1,260 days. That's when Yeshua is going to come back. Verse 8, And I heard, and I understood not, then I and I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? So Daniel didn't understand. It wasn't meant for him to understand. Because that's what he said here in verse 9. And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Or you can might as well insert the 21st century. Because, like I said, I, I just don't, based on my human comprehension, 88 years, I don't see us lasting as a human race in 88 years. There's another war coming, folks. And this war, as many people understand, I don't need the Bible to understand this, will be the last war. Because... We have nuclear weapons now, and there's no way that we're not going to use those weapons. We have used every weapon that we've created. We already use a nuclear bomb. We have yet to use, because of a miracle from God, the hydrogen bomb, but we will, unfortunately. The Bible indicates that. He says, and he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. And for those who don't believe that we will not, uh, for those who don't believe that we will use a nuclear bomb, let me read you God's words here. Verse 7, actually Daniel chapter 7, it talks about this beast that's going to be rise, this geopolitical beast that's going to be using all the greatest resources of all the nations to be the most powerful government ever in the history of the world. Daniel 7, verse 23, Then he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and how is it going to devour the whole earth? And she'll thread it down and break it in pieces. So there's only one weapon that I know of that's capable of doing that, breaking the earth into pieces. And that's a nuclear bomb, folks. So we're definitely going to be using a nuclear bomb because uh, that's the only way that this beast will be able to destroy the whole earth and break it down and break it in pieces. A uh, nuclear bomb, things are destroyed. If you look at the day after, that's, buildings were destroyed. The environment was destroyed, and it was tread down and broken to pieces. And that's how a nuclear warhead is definitely capable of doing that. <clears throat> All right. Getting back to Daniel chapter 12, a pivotal chapter in the Bible. All right, so we know all these things are going to end in 42 months, 1,260 days, three and a half years. And then Daniel didn't understand these things. And verse 9, he said, and he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. And he's going to describe, he's describing the social conditions of the, of the end time in verse 10. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, 
and none of the wicked shall, it says none of the wicked shall understand, folks. Those who don't fear God, don't believe God's words, will not understand these prophecies. But it says the wise shall understand. The wise shall understand these prophecies. The wise shall understand these prophecies, folks. So you got to make sure that you're wise if you want to understand these prophecies. But if you're not wise and you know, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way, that's being wise to hate evil. So, and the Bible states that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And the fear of the Lord also involves hating evil. And if you don't hate evil, which is a violation of God's law, then you're not going to understand these prophecies. You won't understand what I'm telling you. Plain and simple as that. You have to have a love and tremble before God's words to understand the prophecies of the Bible. Anyway, Daniel 12, verse 10. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And verse 11 brings up the abomination of desolation again. From the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination set up. So from the time that the sacrifices are stopped, we don't know when that's going to happen. There should be 1,290 days So from, from that time. So there's an extra 30 days added to the 1,260 days. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to, to 1,335 days. So when that happens, the countdown begins when the abomination of desolation is set up. That's when, if you're still there, if you're still alive, that's when you start counting. <laughs> he gave us the days to count for a reason. Okay? Uh, blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the 1,335th day. But go thy way to the end, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy light at the end of the day. So we have a total amount, it looks like, of 1,335 days. Of course, at the 1,360th day, that's when the resurrection will occur. But obviously the entire... Uh, mop-up plan or, or the plan of him coming back and everything is going to be 1,335 days, okay? So an additional 75 days is going to be added to the 1,260 days of the three and a half years. But at the 1,260th day, that's when the resurrection will occur. And then you have an additional 75 days for when he come, lands on the uh, feet on the Mount of Ubs, destroys all opposition, and cleans out the temple because the temple is going to be somewhat destroyed at that time as well. He's going to have to clean it up and build the prophesied Ezekiel 40, the, the chapter 48 temple. Okay, I'm trying to simplify it as much as possible here. All right, verse 36. But of that day and hour know of no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So we don't know when all this is going to start, when we can start counting. We don't know. All right. Uh, no one is going to know the, the exact day or the hour when Yeshua comes back. No one's going to know that. And people say, okay, well, no one knows the day and the hour. It's talking about the Festival of Trumpets. Yes, it's talking about But even today, do we know when the Feast of Trumpets begin? We have to, to do it by new moon observation for those who keep the new moon calendar. So we, we don't know even on that end. We know that perhaps it may happen around a Feast of Tabernacles, but we don't know which Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Trumpets, right? I'm sorry, Feast of Trumpets, or uh, Yom Teror. We don't know when that's going to occur. 
verse 37, but as in the days of Noah, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So he's comparing these days that we're living in to the days of Noah. And here's the, see that the social conditions have broken down. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And many people incorrectly interpret this as the rapture. It's not the rapture. Uh, verse 40, Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. If one, the one is taken is the one is killed. Okay, verse 41, Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered or allowed his house to be broken up. Therefore, you also be ready. So we should be ready, like I was trying to explain before. We don't know when our thief of the night will come. In other words, our death. We need to be prepared for that. We also need to be prepared, if we're fortunate to be alive at this time, to understand what he's talking about here as far as the thief coming. Verse 44, Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man comes. Who then is that faithful and wise servant whom the Lord has made ruler over his household to give him meat in the due season? Blessed is that servant whom, the, whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delays his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him. In other words, you'll die and die in the process of not obeying the Lord fervently and obeying his commandments, then the Lord of that servant, and then also this can refer also to you being alive, if you're fortunate to be alive at this time, and you don't have any clue about what's happening, even when he warned you about what's going to occur here in this chapter to give you some indications that you're living in the end times and you're going to be, and you're living in the time when he's going to be coming back shortly. Verse 50, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is a Jewish idiom, uh, if you understand the Bible, of being thrown in a lake of fire. So, he's serious here, folks. He wants us to be ready at, in any generation. But this chapter is specifically talking about the nuclear bomb generation, which began in 1945. And he stated that this generation won't end until all these things be fulfilled. That's what he stated. Okay, so we all we must be ready. And then in Luke chapter twenty-one, and he talks about the same thing here. And then what he ends, he says this in Luke chapter twenty-one. Verse 34, and take heed to yourself that at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunken. Let me read this in the, I like it in the uh, Bible and basic, the uh, Bible, the Bible and basic English version. Luke 21, verse 34, but give attention to yourself for fear that your hearts become overfull of the pleasures of food and wine and the cares of this life, that that day may come on you suddenly and take you as a net. So what he's saying is possible if we're alive at this time that all these things won't take us by surprise. If we believe his words and we keep up with world news, uh, we should be keeping up with what's going on in the world. I don't believe, and I think ministers are teaching this incorrectly, those who do, that don't be worried about the world and all that. And 
I don't know if you don't be concerned about what's going on. I've already showed you that Noah was, <laughs> and 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 uh, I showed you in Proverbs twenty-two verse three that when you see things that Yeshua is talking about, you need to prepare for them. Do the best you can. So you need to prepare. And, and verse thirty-five, God is not one us going around not knowing what's what's going on. He wants us to have at least an idea so that we can estimate when He's going to come back. Verse 21, verse 35. For so it will come on all those who are living on the face of the earth, the majority of people who are are drunk, are asleep. Verse 36. But keep watch at all times with prayer, at all times, that you may be strong enough to come through all these things and take your place before the Son of Man. Okay? And every day he was teaching in the temple and so forth. So so we need to always, you need to be ready. You may die tomorrow, folks. I may die tomorrow. I hope I don't. But I don't know. I don't know when my day's coming. But if I'm fortunate enough to live during this, this period of time, I'm going to take what he's saying here. I'm going to go by what he's saying, and I'm going to be looking for certain things. But I'm not going to have this attitude, okay, I'm going to wait until the army surrounds Jerusalem for me to obey God. I'm not going to have that attitude. That's an attitude that God doesn't want you having. He doesn't want you obeying him just because something happens. Okay, He wants you to obey him at all times. That's the lesson to be learned in Matthew chapter 24. If you're going to learn anything out of this, learn that at least, that you need to be ready at all times for your day, for your end time. <laughs> so you need to be ready at all times. But if you're fortunate enough to be alive at this time, he, he's giving you certain things to look for. And I've tried to do the best I can to explain now, what I'm going to explain to you, too, the last point, is the social conditions. And many people, I think, miss this, that God is more concerned about how we're acting, our morality. That is really the timetable that he's looking at in terms of how we are treating one another. Uh, in Luke chapter 17, as a human race, Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17. Verse 24, Luke 17, verse 24. Read this in the King James Version here. For as the lightning that lighteth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in this day. But first, he must suffer many things, he must suffer many things, and be rejected of this generation, as he was in the first century. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did not eat they did eat, they drank, they married wise, they were given into marriage until the day that Noah entered the, into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, and we know what was happening in the days of Lot, the homosexuality and all that, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. So he's comparing the days of Lot and the days of Noah. Obviously, they were doing the same thing. He said, likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot. So the days of Noah and Lot was full of all kinds of wickedness, including homosexuality. In verse 29, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. It says, in that day, in verse 31, he which shall be upon the housetop and the stuff in his house, let him not come down and take it away. And that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. So he's talking about the start of the tribulation again, which is... Uh, uh, triggered by the abomination of desolation. Verse 32, remember Lot's wife, don't look back. Verse 33, whoever shall 
seek to save his life shall lose it, and whoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. And I tell you, in that night shall there be two men in one bed, the one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field, and one shall be taken and the other left. All right, so he's talking about, again, uh, the destruction of people as they were destroyed during the flood. That's what he's talking about, folks. He's not talking about what many preachers incorrectly preach, that people are going to be whisked away. He's talking about people being destroyed through a flood. Back Like in Noah's time, but it's not going to be a flood this time. It's going to be by fire and, and other destruction. I'm trying to find the, the companion scripture here that plainly reveals this. Um, Luke 17, I think 20, let me see, 24. Yeah, in Luke 17, verse 20, they did eat and drank, and they married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. So he's talking about destruction here. So when he's talking about... Uh, Destruction in this context is talking about destruction. It says, I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed, one shall be taken, destroyed, and the other shall be left. That's what it's talking about. That's what it's referring to. Okay. And what is sodomy, folks? Ezekiel. Let's go to Ezekiel here, chapter 16. Many people don't understand this, but this is what sodomy is, and this is the state of the entire world at this time, uh, in every part of the world, you can see these elements that he's talking about here, sodomy. So uh, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 is the Bible's definition of what sodomy is. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, and this is Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness, was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And I just read to you in Acts 20, verse 35, that's what we should be doing, not just in this country, but around the world. Verse 50, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw. All right, so... We have pride, an abundance of, of, of prosperity, an abundance of idleness or laziness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor. And this is a good description of this country, in the United States and other Western nations around the world. And then, of course, with this gay stuff, I mean, we're really, really getting out of our minds with it. And, and uh, it's starting, you know, companies are starting to create programs to embrace homosexuality and and cross-dressers and transvestites and, and lesbians and so forth. And that, that that has definitely got everything to do with sodomy. But we, as a world, don't care about other people like we should. You know, and that and that is, that is, that is the problem that we have right now as a civilization. And that's something that we need to... Uh, take heed of, and, and it's something that we need to understand. 
And the Bible says in Proverbs 30, verse 8, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, that not I be full, and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still, and take the name of my God in vain. So none of us should be desiring to be rich, and we should not be desiring to be poor. And then to close, it states this in verse 14. It said, There is a generation whose teeth are as a sores, and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. This was the generation that Yeshua was talking about as well, a generation where the love of many has waxed cold, and we are definitely living in this generation because uh most people don't care about one another as they should. And that is really a good sign of the 21st century and a good sign of the end times. And it's something else that I wanted to show here um, as I close here. One main fact you need to understand about the world. Uh, this is an excellent website. has a good ranking, too. Uh, global Issues, uh, globalissues.org. They give you all the information you need about the utter poverty of this world. And he states here, at least 80% of, of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. At least 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. Uh, that's sad, folks. And this, and this is a very good website. And he, this is a quote from. It says right here. It says for the ninety-five percent on ten dollars a day. See Martin Revillian, Xiaohu Chen, and Prem, a dollar a day visited World Bank May two thousand eight. They note that ninety-five percent of developing country population lived on less than ten dollars a day. Using 2005 population numbers, this is equivalent to just under 79.7% of world population and does not include populations living on less than $10 a day from industrialized nations. Okay? So this is sad, folks. This is the state of our world. And that's the ultimate reason why God is going to come back. And that's one of the biggest signs that you could understand or to acknowledge to realize that we are living in the end times folks all right so i went over matthew chapter 24 and i hope that you understand this chapter and then james chapter 5 too let's go over that here james chapter 5 and this is this whole epistle is addressed to the nations of israel it's addressed to the nations of israel in particular this rich filthy rich country the united states and it says, Go to now, ye rich men. Let me read this in complete Jewish Bible version. It says, Next, a word for the rich, and the United States is the richest nation in the world. Weep and wail over the hardships coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your clothes have become moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. This is the last days, and you have been storing up wealth. And this country has the greatest wealth in the entire world. Listen, listen, the wages you have fraudulently withheld from the workers who mold your fields are calling against you, and the outcries of those who have harvested have reached the ears of the lords of the armies. The lord of the armies, verse 5. 
You have led a life of luxury and self-indulgence here on the earth in a time of slaughter. You have gone on eating your heart's content. You have condemned, you have murdered the innocent. They have not withstood you. So, brothers, be patient until the Lord returns. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. He is patient over it until it receives the fall and spring rains. You too be patient. Keep up your courage for the Lord's return is near. And this is in the context of this great oppression that's going on in the world, folks. And verse 9, don't grumble against one another, brothers, so that you won't come under condemnation. Look, the judge is standing at the door. And he's telling us in verse 10, as an example of suffering, mistreatment, and being patient, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of Adonai. That means Lord in Hebrew. Look, we regard those who preserved as blessed. You have heard of the perseverance of um, Jacob. I think that's uh, the word Jacob here. Let me look. And the... Of Job, rather. I'm sorry. You have heard about Job's patience. You have known that after all his troubles, the Lord helped him. This shows that the Lord is full of mercy and kind. My brothers and sisters, it is very important that you not use an oath. Okay, well... I'm not going to go through that here, but uh, the the main important part of this is that God is going to come back in a state of great oppression upon the earth. And we are definitely, with 80% of the world's population, or 79.7, living on less than $10. That's definitely the status that we are living in today. That's that's a definite sign that we're living in the end times, folks. Um, prior to the 1800s, all nations were at the same level as far as GDP, gross domestic product. This started in the, in the year 1800 with this great gap between the rich and the poor, and it's only gotten worse. It's so bad now in the 21st century as the Bible has prophesied. So let's understand that. And uh, I'm going to quote uh, one last scripture here, and I think it's Proverbs chapter 10. So he's going to rise up, folks, uh, because of the poor, and and he's he's not going to allow this to continue on the way it's been going on. So we have to understand that and 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 realize that uh, let me see. I'm trying to find the scripture here where it says that he's going to rise up because of the plight of the poor. Here we go. Yeah. Proverbs, uh, or Psalm 12, verse 5. He says, and this is in the, uh, let me read this in the King James. Not Proverbs, but Psalms. Psalms chapter 12, Psalm 12, verse 5. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now I will I arise, says the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. And then also the at the beginning of this program, I quote Psalm 82 for a reason, to help us to understand that we're living in the end times. Uh it states right here in verse 2 of Psalm 82. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Think about that. Defend the poor and the fathers. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on dark, on, on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. So this is the reason why the, all the foundations of the earth are out of course. And one of the major reasons is because we don't help one another. We don't help the poor and the needy. We don't help the poor and the needy. That is the reason why this 
earth right now. Many are walking in darkness. They don't know the true God, and all the foundations of the earth are out of course. So that is one major sign to tell you that we are living in the end times. So I just wanted to explain that to you to help you understand that one major point. All right, well, I've really talked a lot here. Uh, I've spoken a lot because I really want and a desire, and I know God, Elohim, Elohim wants you to understand these prophecies. And, and, And I tried to break it down as simple as I can to help you understand these prophecies. And we have to understand that we are living in a very wicked society. Uh, We have homosexuality being embraced around the world right now, as I'm speaking, and many other states are trying to to get approval of homosexuality. And it's the days of Lot, and he compared these days to the days of Lot, where it's going to be more openly embraced as as things get worse and worse. Uh, There's tremendous poverty around the world. There's earthquakes and famines and and, uh, financial famines as well as uh, spiritual famines, and then, and um, you talk about Malachi, Malachi chapter three, it's talking about his second coming, and in verse five, Malachi three verse five, and I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, and against false swearers, and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages the widow and the fatherless, and them that turn aside the stranger from his right. Fear not me, says the Lord of hosts. In no other century than this one have we we have done this to the core. I mean, we have really don't care about one another as we should. That should tell you that we really are living in, in addition to the nuclear bomb capabilities that we have, the, our social conditions, how we treat one another. That's the gauge also that God is, is really looking at, our behavior. That's what's going to cause him to come back, is that we don't care about people and, and like we should. And, and I can, let me go again in Psalm chapter 12, verse 5. This is the reason why he's going to rise up. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I rise, says the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. Okay? So I just want to end with that because most I don't hear too many ministers preaching that that's one of the major signs of the end time, the oppression of this world. The fact that 80% of the world's population lives on less than $10 a day. That is utter poverty, and it only confirms the scripture that that the poor are being devoured off the face of the earth. And that prophecy is found in Proverbs 30, verse 14. All right, so I hope that you understand Matthew chapter 24 in a way perhaps that you never have before. If you have any other questions or concerns, feel free to email me at kennard at mercifulservantsofgod.com, and I'll do the best I can to answer your questions. So may God bless and keep you, and Elohim uh, willing, I'll be available to you next week to uh, preach to you more out of the Scriptures faithfully. Malachi chapter 4 For behold... The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, 
that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 